Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. Julie, we've discussed in the past how uh, robots and uh, and technology, the, the emergence of, of both of these uh, over time, the, the evolution of these technologies, um, they go hand in hand with this I- idea that we, we look at the human body and we eventually discover, hey, this uh, is basically a machine. It's a machine made out of blood and, and muscles and bone and, and tissue of different types. Yeah. But, but we can look at, like, say, the arm and we can be like, oh, well, that moves because that pulled on something there and that released there. And yeah, there it's like an intricate here. pulley system. Yeah. And it, so at, at, on one one side, we're figuring out how the human body works. On the other side, we're, we're learning how to build things. Uh, we're learning how to make little machines, little uh, eventually clockwork devices even. And you see this is, you know, I mean, way back to Leonardo da Vinci's day uh, where we're creating things that can uh, can move of their own power or, or can or you can manipulate and use like a puppet or something, you know. Right. So we begin to reach this point where we're like, hey, uh, the human body is a machine and I can make machines. So I'm going to make a machine that is the human body, or I'm, or I'm going to attempt to uh, make a, a mechanical facsimile of this particular um, part of the human body. Right. It's not enough that you would just create something in your own image. You actually want to see how the systems work. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the, uh, you know, it's, it's part of understanding it. Let me create a working model of that so I can better understand how that works. Right. And at the same time, I can, you know, live this whole Frankenstein uh, dream a little bit of, of creating another human body almost. Yeah. And so yeah. to me, it means that we just get to merge two of, of our favorite topics, Which or at is, least for me. Yeah. What are those? Robots and poop. Yes. In this podcast. Yes. Yes. Uh, as the title uh, indicates, we are going to discuss a robotic pooping duck uh, from the past, uh, specifically from the uh, 17th century. But but having discussed this whole idea that you know that we really want to uh, mechanically replicate uh, different functions of the human body, mm-hmm. it makes sense in, in within that framework. Yeah, and pooping duck, you just hear about it, you know, just right off the cuff, and it seems insane. Yeah, it sounds like a, I remember finding these. Uh, people may have seen these before, but they used to make these little. I think they were made out of lead or something horrible, maybe some sort of metal. But uh, or but it seemed like they were probably made out of lead or something. But you uh, you would put a little firework in it, and mm-hmm. it looked like a little dog. And when the firework would go off, it's kind of like the little things that make snakes, like these little black, uh, ash oh, and yeah, snakes. Yeah. yeah. And they would, they made a version of it, uh, you know, back in like, I don't know, the thirties or even. I would say for like the world exposition or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. But I mean, it's the kind of thing that like my dad would have played with when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you would put the firework in the, the little metal dog, light it up. And then like, it would look like the dog was pooping. It would look like black excrement was coming out of the little metal dogs behind. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, that's an example of where the, you know, the science was making the dog do something that was funny. It was funny that this little tiny dog was pooping. Science was making a joke. Yeah. yeah. So on one le- one hand, the duck we're about to discuss does that. It is amusing to see a robotic uh, duck defecate. Um, but it is all. It also ties well into this idea of here's a function of the human body. Uh, if the human body is a machine, then I should be cre- be able to create a machine that does this function. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll discuss that. Uh, and and. I'm jumping ahead just for a moment, but we'll also talk about creating a machine, uh, a machine just for the purpose of creating excrement. Yes. At some point. And then we will talk about a true pooping robot. Yes, because this first model that we're going to look at is is slightly problematic. But but let's go but back. It's the blueprint for it's this the whole blueprint. idea. Yes. 
So let's go back to the uh, the 1700s. All right, uh, we're in France. Uh, okay. Let's say you were you're on the streets of France, uh, okay. uh, streets of Paris, and you're just uh, you're, you're walking around. You get maybe you got a little extra coin in your pocket, mm-hmm. uh, jingling there. You know, maybe you're 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 a little uh, loaded with uh, delicious wine and and fatty foods, and uh, and suddenly <laughs> you hear somebody talking about, "Hey, come see the." Pooping duck. We or, have, or the canard de gir, de girator. Oh gosh, that was so slaughtered. <laughs> but what it that means is digesting duck. The digesting duck. The fabulous digesting duck. Yes. So you can imagine, like you know, you go into this exhibition hall and they, you, you, you pay, you drop your coins into the bucket mm-hmm. and you get to go in and then they they unveil this amazing um, um, example of of. Modern technology, and this, it really this is automata, beautiful. You know, yeah, yes, automata, which mm-hmm. is really important to talk about too. But it is this gleaming, beautiful sculpture, yeah, basically like of a duck. Imagine it setting up on this pedestal, and it's it's gold. It's a gold plated copper duck. All right, mm-hmm. um, the uh, it has gilded copper feathers that are uh, uh, that are that have uh, little holes in them, and it, that allow you to see the inside a little bit. So you can mm-hmm. tell that it's it's both a work of art and it's and it's some sort of a machine. Yeah, it's uh, and then it's in the shape of of a duck, which is it. So it's both you see both the natural world. You have the comedic going on there because ducks are inherently funny. Right. Um, and uh, and then it's also clearly a machine of, of human uh, ingenuity. And then it's also this, you know, like I say, it's made out of gold. It's it's uh, it's it has precious metals. It's beautiful to behold. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like it was, a you know. Taken down from Olympias, Mount Olympias, yes. you know, from the gods. And it has tons of moving parts, hundreds, 400 moving parts in each wing. Yeah. You said you were reminded of the uh, mechanical owl from Clash of the Titans, right? Oh, actually, there was something else that, yeah, I, I often am reminded of Bebo. But Bebo, yes, that was his name? This, okay, yes, yeah. this reminds me of Bebo as well. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so you, you're, you're there and this thing's pretty awesome and then it starts to move. It, yeah. it muddles its water with its beak. It appears to drink. It kind of sets up and sets down. Mm-hmm. And then uh, somebody feeds it some, uh, what, some grain pellets, I believe? Yeah, or corn. Corn. And it eats it, and it kind of, you know. It, sw- it actually has a swallowing motion, yeah, too. Yeah, swallowing motion. And uh, and then it uh, eventually poops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the big part of it, right? And this is this is the part of the funny equation, right? right. Again, and, and because it's, it's a duck and it's already funny, but it's now it's pooping. Yeah, and it's explained though that the grain is passing through tubes to a chemical-filled stomach in the base and then on through the duck's bowels, anus, and a mechanical sphincter. Yeah, and again, that there are parts of it where you can see you could like part the wings and you can see the glass beneath it and the duck's innards. Yeah. So this is completely fascinating and like in the here and now, but can you imagine in the 1700s beholding such a spectacle? Yeah. It begs the question, who created this duck, right? Who's this who what kind of brilliant and maybe slightly demented mind came up with this, right? A talented French engineer by the name of Jacques de Vecresson. Yeah, he was born in 1709. Died 1782, and um, French engineer. Uh, he was really into creating these uh, automatons. These uh, uh, specifically what were referred to as philosophical toys, which are curios that combine science and amusement. Mm-hmm. Which you know, it's kind of like you know a pooping duck, or 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 something to where it's the the ultimate function of this particular uh, automaton. I was about to say it's like the iPhone of its time. Well, but the iPhone has 
purpose. This is more like let's demonstrate. It's kind of like some of these uh, demo robots you see today mm-hmm. where it's like, wow, it does something amazing, but it's kind of pointless. Like it's it's demonstrating a certain technological uh, skill and it shows that, oh, well, these guys really uh, figured out something clever in making this. But, but not, ultimately it doesn't do anything. Not to Vacanson. Well, yes, not to him. Because he, and this is from the book Digital People, he gave an address in which he said he wanted to construct an automaton that will, quote, imitate in its movements animal functions, the circulation of blood, respiration, digestion, and the combination of muscles, tendons, nerves to understand the different states of human beings and to heal their ills. Oh, okay. So, so he really did have a purpose behind yeah, this. It was about let's create a model, a working model of something so we can understand the original. Yeah, yeah. which is not unlike what we do today when we when we dissect animals exactly. or we run studies uh, and we try to figure out how they react to their environment, so on and so forth, so that we can then take right. that knowledge and apply it to ourselves. But the model in and of itself doesn't do anything uh, aside from pooping. Right, yeah. Now, some of the other thing, earlier things he had done, he had made android waiters. In 1727, to serve dinner and clear a table. Yes. Which uh, apparently um, was, uh, some visitors deemed this profane and ordered the workshop destroyed. Uh, this is when he was working and uh, more closely with the church. Yeah, but I mean that probably did seem like some sort of weird uh, yeah. witchcraft, right? Yeah. At the time. And you can imagine it going kind of uh, off to like uh, uh, in the Wallace and Gromit cartoons, where he's always making like the automated. Uh, uh, like delivery system that shoots him down to his breakfast table. Yeah, and dresses him. Yeah, and dresses him and drops toast out and put, butters the toast. And it always goes wrong, so he ends up like getting jam fired into his face. Yeah. So I like to picture that, like church officials coming <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, Vakasan, um, having all these devices that just end up, you know, shooting jelly and terrifying right. uh, these guys. And they're like, forget it. Yeah. Burn it. Uh, but then he also created a mechanical flute player that was uh, supposedly just really impressive, too, because it was like powered by nine different bellows. Uh, and it was this little wooden man that would play 12 different melodies on the flute. It had like a metal tongue, supposedly, that regulated air passing through the lips. It had gloved wooden fingers that covered the holes in the flute. Uh, as required to play these different melodies. That would seal off the air. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was like this fabulous little clockwork wooden man that would play the flute. And people were just really in awe of this. And and then he would he he realized the time was right for the duck. Right. And the duck really sort of vaulted his career quite mm-hmm. a bit. You would think that, you know, some people might look down on it, but no, I mean, it made him all more famous than he already was. Yeah, he seemed to realize this. Apparently, he was quoted as saying... Uh, uh, that some ladies or some people who is that French enough? That's kind of gone off into some sort of some ladies or some people. Oh, now it's, it's sounding like Latvian or something. So I just, some ladies or some people uh, who only like the outside of animals uh, would have rather seen something else. Uh, you know, he's but, it, but he he was he was sort of already sort of joking like this is kind of I don't know if you're ready for this. So, there's a, you know, he, even he realizes there's sort of a freak show kind of vibe to this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He had to kind of uh, put that disclaimer out there. Although yeah. I will say the ladies were probably most excited to see it, oh, really? even if they couldn't. Uh, voice it at the time. Uh, yeah, Voltaire was actually, uh, he seemed impressed, although it's, it's hard to say because this comment could be taken anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he said, without Vaucanson's duck, you have nothing to remind you of the glory of France. <laughs> so he was a bit of a smart aleck, so it's hard to say whether or not he really felt that way. Yeah, and uh, I was really uh, fascinated, uh, too, by the um, uh, by uh, one particular um, theory as to why uh, he was fascinating. Fascinated with uh, with defecation yeah. and and, uh, and, me- and, the, and mechanical ducks. And again, it ties into the whole let's make a working model of something so we can understand it. Um, and uh, it, it, apparently he was a man uh, preoccupied by the state of his uh, 
digestion. Uh, he uh, may have suffered from a fistula of the anus. Oof. Uh, and so this plagued him. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go into the, the details of this, but it's a really horrible thing to have to, to suffer from, especially, mm-hmm. uh, in this day, this day and age. And, uh, so his own, uh, focus on this, uh, machines, bowels and anus and sphincter, um, may have been his own reflection on his, uh, his personal preoccupations. Yeah. To a certain extent. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. if he's, especially if he's trying to solve the the riddle of his digestive self yeah. system for himself and you know and he had the capabilities to make this this uh piece of technology why not do it yeah um let's talk a, bit, a little bit how it worked real quick uh, it had a rubber hose meant to mimic a digestive canal and oh the, that's the important thing here because yeah. as it turns out it is not really it's it it's kind of like a brilliant con in a way yeah because it doesn't really uh digest food as far as we know it's it's we, we can't really point to the duck today, the duck kind of like disappeared a little throughout history, and and a lot of this is is guesswork. But um, but yeah, I mean the the hose was pretty important because it was this um, it was an illusion, right? And it was said to you know that you would put the chemicals down the hose, and then of course you can peek in and you can see something that approximates basically a digestive system, right? right? The small intestine, or you know intestines in any case. But uh, it's it was kind of fascinating in that sense. But again, this was just a, a bit of make-believe magic here going on. Yeah, as far as we can tell, the food uh, went into a slot in the base of the neck, basically, mm-hmm. and stopped there. And then the uh, the the duck excrement, be it fake duck excrement, uh, you know, concocted from you know materials around the kitchen or actual duck excrement <laughs> that he gathered the, that himself. he gathered off the street. I don't know, but. Um, uh, but that would have, have come from a different chamber. Yeah, so that was actually a secret compartment where that was coming from. Yeah, and, so, yeah, and someone observed they, that the uh, the duck kibble, I guess you could call it, was getting stuck in the base of the throat. So mm-hmm. whatever came out on the other end couldn't possibly be the same thing. Right. So it was kind of like a, a combination of magic trick and uh, clockwork uh, ingenuity. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you're interested, there is a replica at the Museum of Automatons in Grenoble, France, which I think would be a fascinating um, museum to go to. And it's really, I mean, the, the pooping duck has a pretty big reputation, um, recently came up in a Radio Lab yeah. episode. Um, it has showed up as motifs in film and art, and uh, most notably in Thomas Pynchon's no- novel, Mason and Dixon, the duck comes alive and terrorizes a French chef <laughs> with his bec de la mort, the beak of death. Ooh, yeah. very nice. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely captured people's imaginations. But having talked about that, I think we need to return to what we tend to return to all the time. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy to talk about it. The cloaca. But first, this break. This presentation is brought to you by Intel, sponsors of tomorrow. Okay, the cloaca. Yes. Shows up again. And just, you know, in case you guys haven't checked out our other podcast about dinosaurs having sex, uh, I believe it's called... Uh, Tyrannosaurus sex. Yeah, Tyrannosaurus sex, yeah. The cloaca is a, a sort of, uh, well, it's, let me put it this way. The Latin term uh, means sewer. Right. So it kind of does double duty for everything. Uh, so you can have sex there. Double duty. Double yeah. duty. Yeah. And you can do your duty. It's the, uh, yeah, it's it's the naughty parts of, of birds. And, yes. 
and perhaps dinosaurs, and definitely the platypus. That was the other podcast uh, that the uh, the cloaca emerged from. Yeah, and as you can tell, it always makes me uncomfortable because I say things like, you can have sex there. But <laughs> it's important to uh, to bring up in this instance because there's something called the cloaca machine. Yes. And, and it's terrifying. It is terrifying. It, it truly is, even though it, it's the most uh, sterile contraption ever made. It is, uh, it's been created by Belgian conceptual artist Vim Delvoy, and it's a 39 foot long machine. Yeah, and the pictures of it, it's like, it, it looks like it's laid out on tables, and it's in this big barren room, and it, mm-hmm. it's just kind of disturbing. Now, I mean, looking at it and knowing what it is. Well, I mean, it could be an autopsy room too, because right. it's so sterile. Uh, but, uh, the idea is, uh, it's meant to be housed in a room sized installation of six glass containers connected to each other with wires, tubes, and pumps. And every day the machine receives a certain amount of food. This is from artnet.com. Meat, fish, vegetables, and pastries pass through a giant blender, uh, and then were mixed with water and poured into jars filled with acids and enzyme liquids. There they got the same treatment as the human stomach and uh, electronic and mechanical units controlled the process. And after almost two days, the food came out of a filtering unit as something close to genuine human scat. It was nourished by a first class chef who prepared two meals a day in a detached kitchen. The atmosphere suggested a hospital equipped for a strange experiment, the birth and care of a machine that eats and defecates a mechanical baby. Hi, it seems to say I'm almost like you. Well, I don't know about that last part. Um, but, but no, it, it does seem to drive home like two facts. A, it definitely ties in with the whole uh, idea of let's make a machine that does what a human does. Yeah. In this case, turning food and processing it and turning it into excrement. And also there's this kind of – it is kept this kind of frightening, dehumanizing thing to it. Like, look at this. This is what you basically are, humans. Yeah, yeah. You're a machine. In fact, uh, that same article goes on to say that there was a little girl on a field trip and she started crying at the sight of it. Whose idea for a field trip was this for kids? <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, kids, we can either go to the zoo or we can go see the robotic cloaca at the art museum. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it really is awful when you, you should definitely look at some videos online of it because the, the, uh, the end part, I suppose the, the anus part, is squirting it out almost like a pastry, but truly this is this is a this is poop coming out. That now it, it bags itself too. It, it doesn't bag itself, okay. um, but um, because that would be an awesome like innovation. No, I don't. I don't believe it does. But I know that on display they had dozens of vacuum packed cloaca oh, okay. uh, eliminations that were made during the five first exhibits of the machine around the world. And there's apparently a waiting list of collectors that are really eager to buy one of those, especially the ones in the New York exhibition. Uh, so it's pretty sought after stuff. This it, sounds it sounds like a very uh, kind of like turning the art world on its head. Kind it seems of like a, a spoof. Absolutely. Yeah, like kind of a Banksy kind yeah. of a thing. Like I'm going to create a machine that creates poop and then I'm going to sell it to art lovers. Yes. Whammo. Right. Right. Which the artist, I mean, he loves this, right? And we'll get to him in a second. Um, But the matter, just in case you're worried about hygiene, it's irradiated with gamma rays to kill the bacteria and dried and vacuum packed. Um, And then after that, they're packed airtight in a plexiglass box. So uh, there you go. There's the cloaca machine. Um, And then the reaction, of course, I think the little girl starting to cry is pretty perfect. Uh, But what they found is that when they compared the human-created excrement uh, to the cloaca machine's excrement, it was remarkably similar in bacterial content. Um, And the machine also seemed to suffer from constipation and stomach upsets caused in part by the diet that was fed to it and uh, the different acids, the ratios used. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, it's hard to follow that. Um, uh, it, I mean, just thank goodness the thing doesn't have teeth. Mm-hmm. Right? But I do want to say just real quick, the, uh, Vim Delvoy, the artist, he's completely obsessed with poo pursuits. Um, he created tiles that from far away look like kind of like lovely Moorish tiles. But when you get up close on them, you realize that it's like this uh, curling figure Ugh. and it's actually of his own uh, uh I don't know if it's a painted on there or it's a photograph that's then put on there, but it's of his own excrement. Um, and this is the same guy, just just so you know, because obviously he's pretty controversial. Um, he had an x-ray in which, excuse me, he had an installation in which he x-rayed people having sex using sonograms. Um, well, not having sex using sonograms, but he used sonograms, mammograms, MRIs and x-rays and then to uh, film them. Having sex and I mean, very okay. intimate. So that guy, because I think I've, I've run across that before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about very graphic, intimate mm-hmm. scenes here, and he turned those into stained glass church windows. And he was able to capture the images by slathering the models with barium powder mixed with Nivea cream, in order to eliminate illuminate the bones during X-raying. Well, I'm I'm glad he's not everything he does is all that scatological. Though it does make me wonder. I wonder if he has like what. If there's a reason for the fixation, I wonder if he has uh, digestion problem, problems, you know? Oh, that yeah. Huh? Well, I don't know, because there's an interview in which he proclaims – he's very proud of his excrement. Okay. And he proclaims his, like, the best smelling, the best formed, the best texture. Oh, he's like he's like Kellogg in um, in that movie where Anthony Hopkins played him. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he, he's uh, obsessed. Yes, yeah. he's obsessed with goes uh, into his toilet or onto tile. Well, he can be proud, but nobody likes likes a braggart. Um, now there's another robot. You, you might think, well, one, we have one actual pooping robot, right? So that's enough. Well, there is another project that takes it much farther because the thing about the, uh, the cloaca machine, uh, is that it is not really creating energy from this. And that's the crucial thing. It's like our bodies don't just turn food into poop, obviously, uh, just for the spectacle of that. I mean, the whole right. purpose is I need to take the energy that is in food, use it for my, harvest it for my body turn it into more of my body, and then the excrement is the, the, byproduct, the is. byproduct, the unusable right. parts. So the the, the real interest uh, uh, here to uh, some roboticists, uh, specifically the roboticists at uh, Bristol Robotics Laboratory, have been to create a truly self-sustainable robot. Uh, so they've had earlier projects, uh, and we're talking about basically robot predators that can hunt down and eat living organisms, then break them down into energy. Okay, does that sound a little bit <clears throat> off-putting? Well, yeah, I guess a little bit. Oh, yeah, we talking about that later. Robots that can can eat you. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, but so they have they've had earlier products like they had the slug bot that thrives on garden slugs because mm-hmm. uh, I guess they're easy pickings, right? Um, and uh, then they've had uh, there was the Echo Bot Two, which eats flies, and they've even explored the possibilities of a plankton eating robot for the oceans. And uh, you know, like like some of these, like you can imagine, like a gardening robot going through your garden, and instead of and and not only is it there is it's kind of like a Roomba that eats slugs. You want to deslug your garden, get a yeah. Roomba that that eats slugs. But instead of having to recharge itself, it just charges itself on all the slugs it eats. You know, I like think that's the basic pretty, concept. I actually, yeah. I think it's a really cool idea. Um, but they use microbial fuel cells to the digest the biomass, right, and turn it into yes. electricity. Yeah, the the uh, Echobot three is the most recent one, and this and they've been really showing this one off. Uh, and they they talk it up as the world's first robot to exhibit truly uh, self um, 
sustainable functions. Uh, and it's capable of operating with an enclosed environment for seven days, collecting its food and water uh, from the airy environment. And by this, we mean liquid food and little dishes. It's not this one isn't actually like hunting down slugs or anything yeah, yeah. quite so vigorous. Uh, but, yeah, the, the actual digesting is done by a series of microbial fuel cells. Uh, bacteria in, the cell, in these uh, cells consume the food and produce hydrogen atoms as a byproduct. All right. Then the hydrogen goes into the fuel cell itself, which generates electricity that powers the robot. And then there's also uh, it drinks water because it needs the, the water to keep from dehydrating. basically. Right. Uh, and the remaining biomass goes through the entire cycle once more. So there's it's not just food, food to poop with this uh, thing. It actually cycles it another time just to make sure it gets everything it needs out of the uh, out of the, the, the uh, food water. And uh, and then it basically goes potty. Yeah. <laughs> and what I think is interesting about this too is that it's kind of like the Venus flytrap of robots, although it doesn't quite catch its own flies yet, right? Right. Though they've worked with some designs that would, would enable that. That will um, do that. But not in a very cool, not like in a Venus flytrap kind of mouthy kind of way. Yeah. Now then there's a, so, so yeah, this is an example of it catches it, catches uh, something, digests it, and turns it into energy and then excretes. And then, yeah, the byproduct is, of course, what you said. The potty part. Right. Now, there's, and then there's one more. And this uh, this one got a little more uh, play in the media uh, because it, it's called the uh, – it was part of a DARPA concept. Uh, you got to love DARPA. Yeah. And it was uh, – it's called the uh, Energetically Autonomous Tactical Robot or EATR Eater, which okay. – <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, so yeah, the, this one got a lot of, of play because people were like, they are designing a military robot that will eat human corpses. Right. And so like everybody who is into writing headlines was like instantly like, oh my goodness, that's, cause that's headline gold, you know? Well, but you know, like for, for people like myself who fear the singularity a bit, it does kind of seem like, oh, okay. So that's how it's going to go down. Yeah. Humans become food for robots. Right. That's, of course, it's one of the, you know, they say like, you know, uh, Dog bites man. That's not a story. Dog, man bites dog. That's a story. But actually, robot eats uh, human. Human eats robot. Both are pretty awesome. So yeah, yeah, uh, it's kind of a toss up there. But this was definitely the robot eats human thing. Though the <laughs> DARPA actually played that down. They were like, no, this is not about uh, a deadly robot, uh, you know, eating the dead on the battlefield. Uh, but uh, but basically, uh, the way this would it would depend on this thing called. Uh, uh, a Cyclone Mark uh, 5, which is uh, this company called Cyclone Power came up with. And it's basically a steam engine. Uh, uh, and most of the time it would not be uh, – uh, it would be digesting uh, like burning vegetable matter that it finds. So that that would be its pr- – it would primarily be a vegetarian. Yeah. When we're talking about the, the energy too that it's um, getting from these food sources, it's it's just not quite that big of a deal yet that it could actually – right. Um, Power these robots to the point where they would be zooming around. Yeah, this is not as near nearly as robust a design as uh, the Ecobot. Yeah, I mean yeah. this this is fairly Ecobot. rudimentary. Yeah. So it's going to take a couple years before they eat us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I think it's actually really cool because it's an alternative to how we make and use energy. Yeah, because and it's just another way we could harness energy. Yeah, and it, like imagine again, imagine a gardening robot that doesn't actually need to be re- refueled with uh, by plugging itself into the electrical. Outlet, it doesn't have to be filled with gas. Imagine it going around and eating like just some, you know, decaying vegetable matter and fueling itself or catching slugs or catching flies. So I, mean, I see, I see a couple of, uh, unfortunate chipmunks there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's possible. Possible. 
All right. So there again, terrifying future of robots plus well, digestion. It depends on how you look at it. It's like uh, it's like digestion itself, you know. Um, but yeah, on one hand, we have uh, you know robots eating human corpses. On the other hand, we have uh, robotic models of uh, human functions that we would want to better understand. All right, take me to the light, to some emails. All right, yes, we have some emails that actually deal with, yeah, both of these deal with our mention uh, and discussion of uh, non-poo, non-cloaca-related topics. So Adam writes in. Adam says, I am an open non-believer in all religions, but but believe that the basic ideas associated with them will always have their place in society. And he's responding to our religion in space uh, episode. Don't kill, don't steal, don't sleep with your neighbor's wife, respect uh, your blah, blah, blah. It goes on forever. I really enjoyed the reference to the buffet uh, where I said that I kind of like the idea personally of of. Uh, future, taking the best yeah, parts. Future humans taking the best aspects of different religions and carrying them with them mm-hmm. in the future and leaving the, the fatty stuff on the buffet table with human <laughs> belief. Uh, he says, I really enjoyed the reference to the buffet because that's the way I have always loved my life and that's the way I teach my kids to, to live their lives. Religion in space would need to be flexible so that you could effectively understand what you discover about other people and their religion. So in short, a buffet-style religion with tolerance being the rack of lamb with a nice plum sauce and flexibility being the asparagus with shallots and uh, beau blanc sauce is the way to go. And yes, I would gladly wear a turtleneck to the table. All right. Yeah. Turtleneck, Carl Sagan reference there. Oh, yes, yes. Because yep. we, we were discussing a, a, a Sagan religion of the future. That's right. In, in which we would all wear yeah, yeah. turtlenecks. Cool. Here's another one. This one is uh, responding to the Memory Palace episode that we did about the uh, about human memory and this uh, memory trick that, uh, well, technique that we use that, that relies on spatial um, uh, spatial memory. Um, anyway, uh, Sean writes in and says, Hey, Robert and Julie, I just listened to the Memory Palace episode. I was blown away uh, as you were talking. Uh, it was almost step by step how I remember everything. I go to a lot of meetings, and it's sometimes rude to take notes. So I just uh, uh, sit, listen, and associate where they're sitting with the words in relation to me. And I can recall entire meetings for weeks after. And everyone is so baffled by it. But I have been doing it since grade school. In fact, I failed classes uh, while I aced the finals and tests because notes are a large uh, grade percentage, and I have had to retest because teachers believed I was cheating. I love this episode. I finally know what to call the method to my madness. Thanks, Sean. Very cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, there's somebody using the memory palace or, or related uh, techniques in their daily life to remember things. I have to say, I've been uh, employing it now and again. Uh, sometimes, though, I, my attention gets diverted by some of the images that I come up with. Yeah. But that's so you find yourself at the grocery store, and you're like, what? Like, you created this, like, fantastic image of, like, chipmunks dressed in, like, Tudor uh, costuming. and uh, Yeah, sumo wrestler with a bikini on. And you're like, what was that actually what that? representing? What was that? Oranges. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Uh, if you have anything you would like to share with us, uh, cool links, cool tidbits, uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter as Blow the Mind. And you can always drop us a line at BlowTheMind at HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Mm-hmm.